in this place. So good. Does anyone remember what we talked about last Sunday, Easter Sunday? Does anyone remember what Daniel actually alluded to some of the ideas we talked about? We talked about the three miracles of Easter. And we looked at uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and we looked at how Jesus uh, performed the number one, right, resurrection, right? The miracle of resurrection, that he came back to life, but he came to give us life. He came to resurrect us, to give us, that we can be born again, right? Salvation, probably the biggest miracle, that man could be made right with God. And so Jesus came to do that. But then secondly, as that very first word that came out of Jesus' mouth recorded in the first Gospel, Matthew, to the women, was rejoice, right? That he doesn't want to just save us. He wants to give us life, and then we might have it to the abundance, right? That we might live alive, that we might be, have joyful living. And so I love that Jesus came to save us, but he also gave us to give us living life, right? Joyful life. And then third, he came to give us authority, right? That we have the ability to influence other people's lives. That we have the ability to change the culture and the atmosphere of the world. There is a prince of the power of the air, but what Jesus did is he stripped him of his authority, and he took the keys of the kingdom, and he gave it to the church, and he says, it's written on our wall, right? The gates of hell will not prevail. That you and I, we have authority to influence this church, the, 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 the world, right? We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the, the world, right? So this idea that you and I, we have authority to influence other people's lives. And so I love that, that God is doing miracles. And I'm going to carry that over to this Sunday. Um, and we looked at Matthew, and I feel like, man, Easter, I can't cram all of it into one Sunday, so I get to do uh, a sequel, right? And so this Sunday, we're going to look at um, the Easter story a little bit more, and this idea of last Sunday was the three miracles of Easter. We're going to look at many more miracles. And so that's the title of this morning's message is Many More Miracles. Um, I almost titled it Many Much More Miracles. Um, I have no idea if Brian Regan is a healthy, like you should listen to him or not, but he is a comedian, and I know of one excerpt from Brian Regan. Um, is that his name? And many, much more. You know what I'm talking about. My son knows what I'm talking about. Um, there's, this, there's this one little act where he talks about when he was in school and he makes fun of himself, and uh, he was not very educated at school and did a bad, that had a hard time through school, and so uh, he talks about uh, spelling, and he says, man, I had a hard time with spelling. My teacher would ask me in front of the whole class, Brian. What's the I before E rule? And he's like, oh, I before E always. <laughs> no, Brian, no, Brian. I before E except after C and in words like neighbor and way and on weekends and the whole month of May and you'll always be wrong no matter what you say. Um, not as funny as I say it when he says it, but it's hilarious that he's always wrong, right? Brian's always wrong and so he's, uh, he's going through this skit. Sorry, it's, it's, you're stuck with me because I always think of, of movie line quotes and so this morning's message Many more miracles. I'm thinking of many, much more miracles. It comes from this one. So then the teacher asks him, asks his friend, you know, Corey, what's the plural of goose? Geese. I saw a flock of geese flying over us. It's like, oh, good job, Corey. Brian, what's the plural of moose? Moosin. I saw a flock of moosin in the woods as woods as it is. It's, it's, anyways, it's just hilarious when he talks about it. So for me, I'm thinking of many much moose. And, and it's, anyways, you're stuck with my brain thinking of lyrics of songs, quotes of movies, comedians. So it was, it's many more miracles, or if you want, many much more miracles. That's the title of this morning's message. And we're going to look at, since last Sunday we looked at Matthew, now we're going to look at the other three Gospels. They recorded many, much more miracles um, than just Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. So um, let's look at the first one. 
The first, we're going to kind of go backwards. We're going to look at John's gospel, and I'm going to call this first point, um, count them. Many more blessings, count them. Count them. Can you count the many more miracles that God has done? The many more miracles. And I, right away, I think of that verse, right? Count your blessings. Name them one by one, right? There's this idea that we should be counting them. And John, he does this, he, he'll show us that maybe we should be counting things. And so before I even jump into John, our first um, Bible reference we're going to get to is actually just after John. A few verses at the end of John, three verses after John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what's the next book? Acts. All right, Acts 1-3. Acts 1-3. I'm cheating. It's not the Gospel of John, but it's just three verses away. Um, says this. After the sufferings of the cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period, proving to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. So you see it in there? The many more miracles? He, he appeared to them many more times with many more convincing signs. Miracles. So you see... Luke is the one who wrote Acts. If you didn't know that, Sunday School Trivia, Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which is actually, if you take up all the words, Luke is the biggest gospel of the four, and Acts is a very big book. If you add all the words in Luke and Acts, it's almost a third of the entire New Testament. Crazy. Um, Luke wrote almost a third of the New Testament. Um, But he's writing this, that Jesus appeared many more times. It's not just Resurrection Sunday that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and that was it. He performed the resurrection and he was done. No, Jesus, after resurrection, was inaugurating a new season of many more miracles. After the cross, some people think, oh, Jesus did all these miracles for three years during his earthly ministry, then he resurrected from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven, and now kind of the miracles, they're kind of done away with. No, according to the Gospels, according to Acts, no, for the next 40 days, Jesus kept appearing many more times. I even want to pause on that. He appeared more than once. Jesus appeared more than one time. I would love to say that Jesus has appeared more than one time in your life. I know that he appeared one time in my life when I was five years old and I had lunch with my kindergarten teacher and she led me in the salvation prayer. I met Jesus for the first time at five years old. Thank God that was not my only time to meet Jesus. That I can meet with him every day of my life. Again and again, he's available to meet with. That Jesus continually met with his disciples over and over again, physically for 40 days, right? For a while, he kept doing this. And I think that Jesus, even though he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he still is in this business of appearing many more times. He wants to appear in your life. He doesn't want to just save you. As I said several times as a pastor, my goal is not just to get you a ticket to heaven. My goal is to get you to live fully alive, to have relationship. That's the the mission statement of Osmond Church is we pursue a relationship with Jesus, right? That's the beginning of our statement, that I'm in pursuit. I'm not done. I didn't just begin a relationship with Jesus and now I'm done. I'm in hot pursuit. I loved, I don't know if you picked up last week, I was reading... um, uh, commentary, and I loved, I think it was Matthew Henry, what he said is, is that there's this continual, increasing, and everlasting relationship with God. It's continual, it's increasing, and it's everlasting. I love that. I am pursuing a relationship with Jesus, and it wasn't just a one-time event. It's continual. And I love that as much as I loved Jesus at five years old and as I understood that he saved me and it was an emotional and it was a powerful moment as a five-year-old, that as a 40-year-old, 
there's an increasing love and devotion and appreciation for who Jesus is. That as much as I love my wife, 17 years ago, I think we're coming up on 18 next month, um, as much as I loved her on our wedding day, I'd be crazy to think that I loved her the most that day. I love her more now than I've ever loved her before because my relationship with her is continual and it's increasing. And that's my prayer, is that each of us have a relationship with Jesus, not just that it's there, that it exists, but that it's increasing and it's everlasting. So fun. It's so good. I love being in a relationship with Jesus. And I love that I can meet with him more than one time. But then it says in Acts that he met with him many times, but that it, he did these many miracles, these many convincing signs. Jesus wants to do more than one miracle in your life. Yes, he wants to save you. In fact, I'll even ask this. How many of you can think of a miracle other than Jesus saving you from your sins? You can think of a specific miracle that God has done in your life other than that. Good, I'm seeing some good hands. So we serve a God who does the miraculous. He does miracles. He's still doing many more miracles. Resurrection Sunday was not the end of his miracles. It was the inauguration of, to me, I'll call it a Kairos moment of the many more miracles. I I look at history. I, I love reading... I went to Bible college, so I love even old history, just reading the history, Josephus, all these people that wrote down um, the history of what happened thousands of years ago. And there's this 400 silent period between Old Testament and New Testament. There's these years where we have nothing recorded in Scripture, and, and historians, they're kind of recording things. There wasn't really miracles taking place. There wasn't a prophet. There was, it seemed like God wasn't speaking. There are some people who think, after Jesus died and after the early church, after the canon was written, oh, that's when miracles stopped. I'm here to tell you there's no way. That's not how God works. As I just told you, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8. He's a God who inaugurated a new season of many more miracles. It didn't stop at Resurrection Sunday. He inaugurated a new season of the more. In fact, that's what I'm saying. He appointed disciples. He's all right, now you're going to go do more miracles than I ever did. This is what Jesus is saying. I feel like this, the title of this morning's message is not just pointing to the fact that we can look in Scripture and look in history and see that Jesus did more miracles here on earth. No, it's prophetic. It's saying Jesus wants to do many more miracles in your life. He wants to save you, but he wants to do a whole lot more than save you. He wants to continually do miraculous in your life, and he wants to do it in an increasing way. I love that. So that's just Acts. Now we actually get into John. So the end of John, John chapter 20, verse 30, right? We're in count them. Count the miracles. John chapter 20, verse 30. John writes this. Jesus went on to do many more miracle, miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even included in this book. I love that. So John is, is counting them up, and he's like, you know what? This book is not containing even half of them. And I love that those words are right there. Many more miraculous, right? That's the title of this morning's message. As I was reading through the Easter stories, as I was reading through the Gospels, this phrase was just leaping out to me. Many more miracles. Jesus was always doing many more miracles. He continued, and he increasingly does many more miracles. And so I love that John is kind of counting them up. This book, I'm telling you, there's no way this book, as much as I love this scripture, it's limited to contain all the miracles that Jesus did. It just can't do it. And I love that John, this is the end of chapter 20. 
If you read chapter 20, it's the Easter story. Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. He, went, he ascended, right? All these things. So it's the, end of, it's the end of the gospel, chapter 20. And he says, this book doesn't contain all the miracles. And then it's like, oh, cliff note, chapter 21. I got to add one more chapter. John includes one more miracle that none of the other gospels record. Because he said in Acts, it says that he appeared for the next 40 days, several more times. So John gives us one more miracle that we can count. And it's the story, you can read it in John chapter 21. Um, but Jesus appears to the disciples as they're fishing. And it's a similar story, right, as when he met the disciples. They've been fishing all night. They catch nothing. They're coming back. Jesus is on the shore. Hey, why don't you throw your net on the other side, right? And so they throw their net on the other side, and a miracle takes place, full of fish, right? And I, this is, again, side notes. I love that we have four different gospels from four different flavors, from four different authors. Um, John, I love that he loves pointing out, maybe he's a little bit like me, competitive, if you read the Easter story, he records more than once that he ran faster than Peter, got to the tomb first. And remember, the disciple that got to the tomb first, me, you know, and then in this story, he records that Peter didn't recognize it was Jesus, that John had to tell Peter, hey, I think that's Jesus, you know. So he's recording all these things that really are not important information, but John's making sure we know that John was the one that recognized it was Jesus. Um, and so what does Peter do? He puts on his outer tunic and he jumps in the water, swims to the shore. But I'll tell you, I think the miracle, the bigger miracle was not that Jesus multiplied fish. The bigger miracle is what took place on the shore. Jesus heals Peter's broken heart. If you remember the Easter story, if you remember Good Friday, Peter just denied Jesus just maybe a week or two weeks before. Peter denied Jesus three times. And if you forget, in Luke's gospel, it says that as the rooster crowed, Jesus looked at Peter. So sometimes we forget that detail, that when Peter is denying that he knows Jesus, he's in earshot. Jesus is watching him and listening to Peter deny him. While Jesus is being physically beat, tied to a post, being spit on and mocked, ridiculed, Peter is cursing. I don't blankety blank know that man. Jesus is looking at him, blood pouring on his forehead maybe. And Peter locks eyes with him. And that's where it says he ran. Peter, probably more shame and guilt in his mind and in his heart than any other man in humanity, right? He had just professed the night before. Man, all these other disciples... They might leave you, Jesus, but I'll never leave you. And then Peter has to give him the word, actually, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. It's like, there's no way. I'm sold out for you, God. There's no way. And then he has to live with this guilt and shame. I'm unqualified. Everything I did for these last three years where Jesus kept saying, I'm the rock, and he's going to build upon me, and I'm going to be the leader of this new movement, he's like, I'm disqualified. I blew it. It's over. The bigger miracle that's recorded is Jesus restoring Peter. I love that every scholar agrees that it's not coincidence that Jesus asked Peter three times. Peter denied him three times. Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? I can't help but think the first time Peter responds, he's not looking in Jesus' eyes. His chin is down. Yes, Lord, 
you know that I love you. And you know that in the Greek, right, you guys know Bible, Bible scholars, Sunday school trivia, Jesus asks Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. You know I brotherly love you. I don't perfectly love you because I proved to you that I, I don't. I thought I agaped you, but apparently I don't because I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. And I can't help but think this is me reading. Because again, John said not everything's recorded. So I feel like I have some liberty to add my thinking of the story. I think Jesus is doing some healing work. It's a miracle. I think he, he grabs Peter's chin. Look in my eyes, Peter. Do you love me? And I think Peter looked away again. Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. A third time, and it says in Scripture that Peter was hurt. Third time, Peter, look in my eyes. Do you love me? Maybe finally the third time, Jesus looks in his eyes. Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And what was Jesus' response all three times? I think every single time he lifted up Peter's chin and he said, feed my sheep is what's recorded. I'm going to go a little further. I think Jesus said, Peter, I trust you. Feed my sheep. Every time Jesus was responding to Peter, he was healing him. He was restoring Peter's identity. Peter, for who knows how old he was, maybe for 40 years of his life, was a fisherman. For the last three years, he was learning how to be a fisher of men. He was learning how to be a shepherd. He was learning how to be a leader. He was learning how to be a rabbi. He was following a rabbi around for three years to learn how to teach other people how to follow him. And for three years, he's like, yep, I'm getting qualified. Yep, I got the best rabbi in the world. I can do this. I can do this. And now he's at a place he's like, I can't do this. I can't do it. And Jesus keeps saying, no, you're a shepherd. Feed my sheep. I chose you. I didn't make a mistake, Peter. You can't prove me wrong, Peter. Your sin, we read this often, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even our own failures can't separate us from God's love. But I'm going to go a little bit further. It can't just separate you from his love. I'm telling you, if God has a purpose and a plan for your life, even your failures can't deter him. There's plans and purposes. Yes, we get to partner with him, but he's saying even your failures, he can redeem all things. He can restore all things. And so that's what he's doing. He's doing a miracle in Peter's life. Everyone else would say, yeah, Peter blew it. He can't lead us anymore. And Jesus is saying, no, Peter, you're it. I said a few things last week that maybe were sacrilegious, right? I said that Jesus is the resurrection of life. And I said, you know what? I think you're supposed to be the resurrection of life. This might be another sacrilegious thing to say. You've heard, at least I have growing up in the church, that we need to believe in Jesus. I don't disregard that. Yes, we need to believe in Jesus. But I think some of us need to hear, Jesus believes in you. Salvation is us believing in Jesus. But there's something with the many more miracles that God wants to do in your life, you're going to have to take ownership that Jesus believes in you. That Jesus trusts you. There's times in my life where I look and I say, God, I'm not trustworthy. I can't be a pastor. I, mean, I don't know how many times I've told you, 
that I view myself as an introvert and I'm not, a, I'm not the right, I'm not cut out for the right mold to lead a church. And God keeps telling me, Ryan, I picked you. And I keep saying, God, I think you picked the wrong person. But he does the same thing to me. He grabs my chin. He says, Ryan, I'm telling you, I chose you. You didn't choose this. I chose this. Trust me, and I'm telling you, I trust you. Some of you need to hear those words, that there's a God in heaven who trusts you, who believes in you. It's hard to hear those words. I'm, I'm being honest with you. But for Jesus to do the many more miracles he wants to do, you've got to have some confidence that he trusts you. I love that we've got to count them. John is saying we've got to count these miracles that Jesus is doing. And so he gives us an example in John 21. And so now he's finally wrapping up his gospel. It's the very last words, John 21, verse 25. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Are you getting that visual image? I love that. I love what John is painting this picture. Do you understand that the world couldn't contain, I mean the world, think about how big our planet is. It can hold, I don't even know the math, trillions, zillions of books, right, on the face of this planet. We could hold a lot of books. And he's saying the earth could not contain all the books that could be written down, what Jesus did in three years of his ministry. I'm just telling you, in my natural mind, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it's three years. You're only limited to so many days, so many hours, so many things Jesus can do, right? But John is saying, and it's in Scripture, so it's infallible. He's saying that this planet could not contain the amount of books trying to record all the things Jesus did in three years. How is that possible? Because I think John maybe has a different perspective than we do. I think John saw Jesus heal a man with leprosy. He didn't count that as one healing. Oh, it was a miracle. Yes, Jesus physically took leprosy off that man and gave him health. That's the miracle, right? But what about the miracle of that man going home and hugging his son for the first time in five years? A marriage being restored, a family, a village being excited about seeing a man who was on his deathbed now alive. The miracles had a ripple effect. The many more miracles, it wasn't just one miracle. It had this huge effect. And I think John, later on in his life, he's seen, oh man, when Jesus did that miracle, it's that family. Man, three months later, that's the family's house. We stayed at their house and they fed us. We had no food. We hadn't eaten all day. And that leprosy, that man with leprosy, he provided for us. That's a miracle. John began to realize there's a whole lot, lot more miracles happening in my life than I've previously understood. And that's why I think the point of this first is, count them. I'm telling you, I think what John said about Jesus' life in, the last, in three years, what if you were to count the miracles Jesus did in your life in the last three years? That'd be a great exercise. Go home and do some homework. Spend just 30 minutes and just begin to write down and ask the Lord to bring to remembrance miracles he's done in your life. Everyday miracles, simple miracles. I mean, it can be as simple as my heart is still beating. I don't even, I'm, I'm not a nurse. I don't know how many times a day, but a lot, right? That's a miracle. But begin to write down all the big miracles as well. Maybe the world couldn't contain all the books that could be written of the miracles God's done in your life in the last three years.
But are you counting them? Are you looking at them? Are you recognizing that God is a God of miracles and he's doing many more miracles in our midst today than we're aware of? I want us to get excited because God is doing the exceedingly abundantly above and beyond, but I feel like at first we've got to recognize what he's already currently doing. I have a hunger and appetite for the more, but I want to see and recognize what he's doing now. Oh, man. I'm convinced, as I said, there's miracles happening in my life all the time. I like to tell my wife that I'm an excellent driver. <laughs> Never been in an accident in 26 years driving, how many years I've been driving, right? I can't say I've never got a speeding ticket. Um, but I'm a safe driver. Because I always say, because I'm an aggressive driver. I'm paying attention. I know the cars that are behind me. I know the cars that are like 10 cars in front of me. I know the lane. I'm, I'm, I'm not competitive, right? But I'm thinking about which lane I can be in, and I'm switching lanes because I want to make sure that I'm beating everybody. Um, and so I'm, I'm very aware when I'm driving. And so I would say the fact that I've never gotten in an accident in 26 years is because I'm such a good driver. But I think as my wife would attest, it probably has to do with the fact that I probably have many more angels watching over my driving than, than on her driving. Um, there are miracles. I'm just telling you, uh, uh, Pastor Greg, sorry, many of you don't know, he was in a car accident where his car was totaled just a week and a half, two weeks ago. Airbags deployed, his whole car was totaled. Once, had he gone through that light one second earlier, Greg might not be here with us today. I'm telling you, that's a miracle. That wasn't just a coincidence or just uh, fate or good luck. That was God intervening. That was a miracle. How many miracles are happening in our lives that we are just unaware of? And I'm saying, let's learn to record. Let's learn to recognize. Let's count them. Let's, count. let's be a church that recognizes miracles. Like John, we begin to say, oh man, there are miracles happening all day, every day of my life. I love that. i got to get on to the next point, otherwise I'll stay here forever. Second point, so that's John's gospel. We've got to look at Luke's gospel for our next point. It's usher them. Many more miracles, usher them. Usher them in. Count them up, usher them in. Why am I saying usher them? I'll get there in a second, but we've got to look at some of the things that Luke says in his gospel. Luke 24, 31. Again, Resurrection Sunday, here's what's going on. It says in this verse, Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. So this is giving us another miracle that happened on Resurrection Sunday. The women went to the tomb. The tomb was, you know, the stone was rolled away. An angel appeared. We know that. But now Luke gives this detailed account how these two men were on their road to Emmaus. They had left Jerusalem. They had heard from Mary and, and the women that the tomb was empty, that they heard that Jesus was alive, and they're on their road to Emmaus, and they're just talking. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appears. It starts talking to them, a miracle that they don't recognize Jesus because it says they were, parted, they were part of the 120. They were part of the disciples that were following him, not the 12, but the bigger crowd that followed Jesus all around. And as they're talking, you know, their hearts are burning within them. They get to the place where they arrive. They begin to eat. Jesus break, breaks the bread, and this is this verse. Then their eyes were instantly opened, and they knew Jesus, and then miraculously, Jesus disappeared. To me, I just love Jesus. He's, like I say sometimes, Jehovah Sneaky, right? He's, he's like, he hides. He does things that we wouldn't, wouldn't think. Um, 
But he does all these miracles, him disappearing, him appearing, him, them not recognizing Jesus. Those are all part of the miracles. But I'll say the biggest miracle is he opened their eyes. These were people that had been following Jesus for years, that had heard the testimony that Jesus had risen from the dead, and yet it says in the other Gospels that none of them believed the, the women. So Jesus did something miraculous. He opened their spiritual eyes. Think, think again. The Gospels record that for the last three years, Jesus went around healing phys physically blind people. He opened up physical eyes everywhere he went. He physically was restoring sight to the blind. But now after the cross, after resurrection, he goes to his very own, his disciples, and he removes spiritual scales. I'm saying, I want to be counted one of the disciples. I know that I don't see everything in God's kingdom. I don't see everything. I'm saying, God, would you do the many more miracles again in my life? If you did it for those two, do it for me too. Amen. Open my eyes. Give me fresh revelation. Help me to understand. Help me to know you, Jesus. Amen. See, these disciples, they knew Jesus. They knew his accent. They knew the way he walked. They, they could see him from a distance, and they would say, oh, that's Jesus over there. They could pick him out of a crowd because they knew him, right? They recognized his height, the way his hair was. All the, they recognized the way he carried himself. They knew all these information about Jesus. But something happened. The resurrected Jesus imparted knowledge of who he is as the resurrected Christ to these disciples. And I'm saying, that's what I want. I want spiritual knowledge, spiritual information to know Christ. I love what Paul says. That I want to know Christ. If it means going through sufferings, sign me up. If it means having everything go my way, sign me up. I just want to know Jesus. Whatever it takes, whatever the road looks like, I just want to know Jesus. That's my heartbeat. I just want to know Jesus. But I know that it can't just be from my hard work of studying. I know, like I said, I went to Bible college. There's people that I went to college with that unfortunately, they're dead, spiritually dead. They went to the same classes I went to. They were learning information about the Bible, and yet they're spiritually dead. There are people in the church, there are people that are followers of Jesus that are dead. And I'm saying, Jesus, would you do something? Would you open our eyes? Breakthrough. Do a miracle to open up our eyes to understand things. The next verse, Luke 24, 45, says this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So now we're switching to the 11. Everybody's together. Um, Resurrection Sunday. All this stuff is happening now in the evening. Again, I like this idea. It says that they were in the upper room and they had the doors shut and locked for fear of the Jews, right? So they're fearful. They're thinking they're going to get arrested. They're going to get crucified next. And so in the midst of their fear, Jesus is really kind and he miraculously appears in the room. and says, what's up, guys? Right? <laughs> Gets rid of all their fears. Jehovah Sneaky does it again, right? But I love this verse. This is in context of this verse. Then it says, he opened up their understanding of the scriptures. I know I'm not the only one in the room that has read the Bible and didn't understand what I just read. There's no way I'm the only one in the room. But I love that Jesus performed a miracle for his own disciples, his own disciples that lived with him for three years. He was a rabbi, so I know he was going around, you know, teaching the kingdom. He was doing miracles, but you know that he was teaching scripture. For three years, he was teaching these guys scripture. But it wasn't until after the resurrection that he did the many more miracles. 
And he did the miracles of talking to his own churched people and said, you guys need some understanding of Scripture. You're lost. So for me, it's good news. Good news that God can continually do miracles to open up the Scriptures for me. Because I know I'm not educated enough to understand everything here. This is not just words on a page. This is a spiritual living book. Things in here are only understood spiritually. So I can't just discern them with more knowledge and more information by going to college. No, I, I love, do you guys remember, some of you might remember Casey Diaz. He came, he's a pastor, and he came and spoke here about two years ago. He had that book, um, oh man, why can't I remember the name of this book? Shot Caller, the Shot Caller. And his testimony, he was a gang member, went to jail, did some bad things. Um, but he shared the testimony of, of how he loved the verses in Acts where Peter and John go to the Temple Mount and these fishermen, and the way it's recorded, these uneducated men began explaining the scriptures to the scholars. And I remember Casey D saying, I love that verse because it means there's hope for me. He's like, I was an uneducated high school dropout who was living in jail. He's like, and now I'm a pastor. And I unlock the scriptures to people. He goes, that didn't come from going to Bible college. That comes from God doing a miracle to open up the scriptures. Amen. I love that you and I, none of us are disqualified from this miracle. You can understand the scriptures whether you're 10 years old, whether you're 99 years old. It doesn't matter. God can do the many more miracles, but it, it comes from this idea that we're ushering them in. And so I'm going to say this. It ties into this last verse because i got to move on. The very, very last verse. So we looked at the very last verses of John's two endings in his gospel. Now we're looking at the very last verse of Luke's gospel. says this, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I love this. I love the way New King James writes it. It's, some people say, I will send. That's how it's probably the better translation, I will send. But I love it, it says, I send, meaning it's already on its way. The check is in the mail. It's already been sent, but you need to tarry. There's something that you partner with with getting the miracles. These disciples, they spent the next 40 days, Pentecost, 50 days. They spent this time remembering, counting the miracles, going back into Scripture, finding out the connection of Scripture to what Jesus said in the last three years. They are stewarding and tearing. What does it mean to tarry? You and I, we are to usher in the many more miracles. I believe God is bringing miracles. He's already planted. He's already ordained it for this church, for you personally. He's, he's planned the miraculous for your life. But we have to steward it. We get to usher. What a joy. It's not this heavy burden. It's a joy to usher them in, to spend time looking at scriptures, getting with family members, saying, oh, you remember what God did in our lives? Do you remember how he did this miracle last year? How he did this miracle today? Oh, I got to wrap this up. I have a whole lot more I want to say. I know time is going out quick. But I feel like this is important. I got to say this. I shared, I don't know if it was last Sunday or Good Friday. I don't, I just, it was a flippant thing that I mentioned that one of my friends had a wife who was going in for surgery for cancer. And um, I got to see him yesterday at my son's uh, football game, and I asked him how things were going, and he said the surgery went well. They removed everything. The doctors did some tests, and they see no trace of cancer in her body. It's like, praise the Lord, right? And we're talking about how that's a miracle, right? Modern medicine, but it's God. And then he began to say some things. I said, yeah, well, actually, my brother-in-law just passed away about a year and a half ago from cancer. Oh, he's, I'm so sorry. I said, actually, my cousin just passed away three months ago from cancer. Oh, man. And he started asking me questions. Yeah, my sister, my older sister passed away 
it's coming up on two years on a freak accident. He's like, man, what a rough last two years for you, Ryan. And I began to think about, you know what? There's some truth in it. It's been rough. And I can ask that question, God, I believe you're a God of miracles. Why didn't you heal my brother-in-law? Why didn't you step in and, and save my sister? Why? Why did, you're a God of miracles. I'm expecting miracles. Why didn't you do this miracle? And I began to think about how God has, in this last season, guarded my heart and guarded my mind. As I've done, not perfectly, but I've stewarded some of these things. I begin to, my life, I count the blessings. I count the miracles. I don't say, God, why did you take my sister away from me? I'm saying, God, thank you for giving me such a godly sister to lead me. That I am so much, out of all my sisters, I'm the most like Gina. Praise God, I had her. Thank you, God, for the miracle of Gina in my life that I actually act like her in certain ways. I begin to count those miracles and blessings instead of looking and questioning and get bitter and angry, angry towards God. I can honestly rejoice that my friend's wife is healed from cancer even though my brother-in-law didn't get healed from cancer. It doesn't hinder me in any way. I can rejoice that God is doing the miracles. And I want us to be the same way. I want us to continually usher in more miracles, that nothing slows us down. If God didn't do the miracle we we're expecting, it doesn't mean that we still can't usher in more miracles. I don't know if some of you saw, I post on the, the family group on Facebook, I've been listening to a song, This is a House of Miracles. I've just been declaring that this church, we are a house of miracles. You are a miracle. I'm a miracle. There's no way I deserve my wife. I don't deserve four kids who are serving Christ. There's things that I contribute to that, but I don't deserve it. It's a miracle. There's so many miracles in my life, and I just want you to begin to see your life as a miracle and begin to usher in the many more. And i got to get to my third point really quick. I know we're almost done with time, but give me time to get this third point in. We looked at Matthew last week. We looked at John. We looked at Luke, so there's one left, right? Mark. Mark. All right, Mark. So we're going to look at Mark. We did count them, many more miracles. Count them. Usher them in. Now we are, oh man, I'm forgetting my last one. What is it? Put it up on the slide. Expect them. Mark. We're going to look at the very end of Mark's gospel. And he says this, the very last verse in Mark, we'll look at the very end of all these gospels. The very end of Mark's gospel says this in verse 20, chapter 16, verse 20. And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Are you getting the word of the Lord? It's in every single end of every gospel. Many more miracles. And the, the, the ending of the canon is not the ending of the ending, many more miracles. It's written at the end to be echoing in our ears. I tell you often, I love the first time something's mentioned in the Bible and the last time it's mentioned. It's mentioned last in all the gospels because God wants it to echo in your ears that you are to expect many more miracles. Are you expecting? Are you expecting bad things to happen? Or are you expecting God to come in and perform a miracle? Let's raise our expectations. If this is what Jesus is saying, this is the word of the Lord, then we've got to expect them. And I don't have time to unpack all this, but as you go back just a few verses before, let's read this really quick. It's longer, it's a smaller font. But in Mark 16, verses 17 through 18, it says this. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. 
Why am I mentioning that? So we can have a whole other sermon on those four or five miraculous signs? No, because if you read in almost all the translations, it says about seven times, they. Those who believe, they will. They will, they will, they will. Who's the they? The, just the 12 disciples 2,000 years ago? You, those who believe. If you believe in Jesus, he's expecting you to do the miraculous. He said it several times to the disciples, the things you saw me do, you're going to do even greater things. I'm telling you, we are to expect, Jesus is expecting out of you to do the miraculous. He says he did that through them. Everywhere they went, Jesus performed the miracles through them. I get it. You're not the miracle worker. Jesus is. But he needs a vessel. He needs someone who's expectant and has faith filled, believing for a miracle to happen. And he's saying, I, I'm looking, right? Doesn't he say that? I'm looking all over the earth. Where can I find someone with faith? Where can I find someone who believes in the miracles? Is there still somebody today, 2,000 years ago, like 2,000 years ago, the disciples, everywhere they went, not just at church, at home, in the workplace, at school, everywhere they went, these miraculous signs followed them. We sang the song, David said, surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's not just for me. That's for everybody around me. I am to carry the presence of God so that other people get the presence. I'm to carry the miracles of my life so other people get the miracles. I get it. Jesus is the miracle worker, but he's in you, and he wants to come out. Ah, oh, all right. I got to wrap this up because we're over time, and I got meeting after service. I'm trying to figure out how to land this plane. <laughs> Yeah, worship team, come on up. But I guess just hit those three points again, right? The word of the Lord to you this morning is many more miracles. He's not done yet, right? We say this all the time. If it isn't good yet, God's not done yet. Daniel said it during worship. There are things, I know there are things in this room that there's got to be some people in this room. There's something that seems too difficult. Okay. Really quick, super, really quick. I know I'm landing the plane. Um, even the testimony, and I, got, I can't give all the details, but even this past week, didn't ask permission, but my wife and I were somewhere, and something happened. But right away, I knew that if that same thing happened, I'll be nice. Ten years ago, probably wasn't that long ago. Um, if that would have happened a while ago, things kind of would have hit the fan. It would not have gone well. But I watched and I observed how this same situation that would have caused chaos and frustration, pain, anger, all those things, I watched how, no big deal. That's breakthrough. And I'm telling you, it came because it's continued. Jen is on a process of continually following Jesus, continually letting go of things, and she's increasingly getting better. Man. And now it's everlasting. And I, I checked with her afterwards. I'm like, that is a miracle. Do you understand? That's a miracle that it didn't phase you. That you didn't, she didn't even recognize it. I brought up to her. She said, oh, I didn't even catch that. I was like, that's a miracle. <laughs> that's a miracle that it didn't bother you. Right? And I just feel like God wants to, to do today he wants to do miracles. 
He wants to do miracles in relationships. And I, I just say specifically, I think in people's minds. In fact, can I just, as we close service, can I have everybody stand? And if, I'm just going to call you out. If you have something in, in your thought process that you think is just, it would take a miracle and it's hard to have faith for that. Or maybe there's someone here that, maybe it's a real mental disorder. You've got depression. You're easily discouraged. You're, you're not sleeping well at night because of stress. I don't know. You fill in the blank with something with your brain, your mind. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be transformed. God needs to do a miracle to open your eyes to understand and see things the way he sees them. Some of you, the way you think about yourself. I talked about Peter. You struggle with identity. You struggle with, I'm not good enough. You struggle with, you fill in the blank. The Lord wants to pinpoint that this morning, and he wants to do a miracle. And if that's you, and you just feel like, yes, I need that, would you just put your hands out in front of you and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now? And so we pray, Lord, we come into your presence. After hearing your word, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God, I believe there are people in this room that they have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to them. But God, would you finish the work? Would you do the many more miracles? Would today be a day of miracles? Heal our understanding. Heal the way we think and view other people, the way we view ourselves, God. Transform us by the renewing of our mind. God, would today be a day of miracles? May we look back on April 11th and say something happened that day. Forever I was changed. And continually and increasingly, I was continually changed from that day forward. So God, I pray right now over minds. Would you wash over your goodness, your truth, that every lie would be washed by the blood of the Lamb. That truth would prevail, that truth would set free. That Jesus, your love and your grace would triumph over shame, guilt, and condemnation where there's been anxiety and depression, God, you would lift that and you would remove that and you would restore peace yes. and rest and grace and mercy would follow them all the days of their life. They would be overwhelmed from this day forward. They'd be overwhelmed with your grace and mercy. God, I believe that this is a house of miracles. That from this day forward, every time we meet, the miraculous is going to happen. I declare it, I decree it, I believe it, I see it, I'm going to count them, I'm going to do my job to usher them in, and I'm going to expect them. Bring them any more miracles, God. We say yes and amen to your promise that you're bringing the miracles. So we close this service by singing a song, declaring with our mouth, believing in our hearts, saying yes and amen to your word this morning. You said that you're going to do them any more miracles. And we do our part to say yes and amen. Would you sing with us as we sing this last song?